Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. That was really well said, Tim. Thank you. I had to slow it down to make sure I got every part of it right. Yeah, you enunciated perfectly. Thank you. It's very hard for me to say colorful characters. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that, but you you were flawless. Thank you. Um, yeah, Tim and I, you know, we might be a little bit low energy right now because we just had <laughs> some of the, uh, an amazing past few days. I have a little days. low energy today. We are recovering from the stock campfire jamboree up at Camp Wandawega. It's an event. It's an annual event minus a two year hiatus because of COVID <laughs> It started in 2019. And the idea was, um, we teamed up with, uh, John Mannion, uh, friend of the pod. And the idea was to host an event up at Camp Wandawega where we brought some chefs from the city up to cook over open flame and invite some of uh, Stock's clients and friends from the industry and just have a hoot nanny up in the woods. Yeah, you know, I was trying to think of a proper analogy for the experience of going to the Campfire Jamboree, and I, I think it's like getting the golden ticket. It's a golden ticket I situation. I think when you get the invite and you hold it in your hands, it's like having the golden ticket. Yeah. It's such a cool thing uh, to be a part of or to get invited to. And uh, Stock has done a really good job curating it and yeah, I mean, making it special. I mean, the setting. Yeah, the chef people. lineup this year was insane. I mean, every year. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. always insane. Yeah, we, we teamed up with uh, Moet Hennessy and Trazos de los Andes and Argentine Wine Company. Um, they're the main sponsors. And um, they're they're pretty ideal because they're, they're like, you guys just – Go wild, whatever support you need, we're here for it. And um, so this year we had Tim and Jeannie from Kasama, Mindy from Mindy's Bakery, uh, Tony Selman was cooking with her, we had Zach from Galit, we had Oliver and Co. from uh, Obelix, and uh, Takaria Chingon and Le Bouchon. Um, Lily and Joe from Lily Nine and Bar. Lily and Joe from Nine Bar to the cocktails. We had Michael, Michael from Bang Bang doing breakfast the last day. It's like you know pretty insane yeah pretty You're, sweet yeah we're fed like royalty over yep. this period and and then you get to mix in fun camp activities you know swimming in the lake archery playing bags we had a big uh, rock paper scissors tournament <laughs> won by maddie from rpm she uh, was caught she throat. crushed yeah and she was undefeated obviously she won the whole thing a single yeah. elimination she um, was in the zone. I don't think she dropped a single game. No, it was a flow state. She was just <laughs> crushing. She's reading everyone. Yeah. Her eyes were closed the whole time. She was crushing. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just... <laughs> she was full focus. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We do it uh, there because it's friendlier for our friends in the um, hospitality world who might have those days off. It's easier for them to take those days off. So uh, yeah. now it's uh, Thursday morning and we're... We're back in the saddle, yeah, catching up on emails. Yep. Hungovers are gone, close yep. to gone, and uh, here we are. Yeah. Oh, also, musical guest. We had uh, John McCauley from Deer Tick and his wife, Vanessa Carlton, and uh, Scott from Local H. The music entertainment this year was awesome. Yeah, pretty special, intimate really, performance. Really yeah. What's that room called? It was in the lodge. In the lodge, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, something I noticed today, if I, if I may give a tiny knock to the event, uh, was Please. that my feet and legs are covered in bug bites on the last night. Well, we did supply bug <laughs> did. spray. Yeah. Whether or not you applied it is on you. And you know what? I didn't put it on my feet. Here's what happened. I had sneakers on, and I was like, all right, last night, part of the outfit, let me put my Burks on. Put my Burks on, had sprayed the DEET, like, to my, you know, to the bottom of my legs, mm -hmm. and had forgotten to put it on my feet. And this morning, I counted, and I had 
numerous. I have numerous bites. Yeah, you got a tally? Yeah, I got a tally. What are you at? I'm at over 40. <laughs> High 40s. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's funny. So I, I obviously hung back last uh, yesterday to help pack up camp and stuff and um, clean up. And uh, as I was leaving, there was a mosquito control truck on the property so they oh, do man. like they yeah they monitor it. it seems like maybe they were at the end of that cycle and it was time to re-up the yeah. uh but i i really wasn't well, i called bothered. Teresa and i was like Teresa, man you gotta call the the control company in. <laughs> you gotta get him in. we need backup <laughs> yeah she's like all right the soonest i can get him out is after you're gone okay well it is like, an annual well, event so yeah. i will take that into consideration <laughs> and no, uh, was, maybe make the was, the supplied <laughs> free bug spray more uh, <laughs> accessible to the yeah, guests it was no knock on the event just a funny thing that happened um, but yeah, this week's guest. Well, Danny, first Wait, let me yeah. ask you, mm-hmm. did you have any s'mores at camp? I did. Then did you think that maybe they could be improved with a, an artisan made s'more kit? I mean, I would love to try an artisan made s'more kit. I don't know that I've ever had one. Well, you're in luck because yeah. this week's guest All made right. one. Great. <laughs> if she, if she ever brings it back. Right, right, right. Um, um but yeah, we were lucky to be able to speak with Catherine Ann, um, from Catherine Ann Confections. She is a premier chocolatier, caramel maker, uh, confectionery genius, et cetera. The queen of the sweet treats, if you will. <laughs> queen of the sweet <laughs> treats. Yeah. Self-taught. Yeah. That's very She's cool. been doing it since she was 14. Yeah. And it's pretty wild how the business has evolved and For they've sure. got multiple locations now and they've got a, an impressive list of wholesale clients it's very cool yeah so without further ado please enjoy our conversation with Catherine ann Um, so yeah, thank you for coming to the studio. Of course. Happy to be here. On the hottest day of the year. Yeah. Is it? It's, it's gotta, gotta be. be. Somebody was saying something that it was so like setting a record for the last decade, which just seemed kind of mind blowing to me. That I is. I just feel like we've had hotter days, but maybe it's a humidity thing. So, I think it's because we're constantly having the hottest day. Yeah. There's a great. Oh no. You, yeah. Cause you said in like a decade. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was right. remembering. Huh? That makes sense. I remember, like, when I was a kid, I remember winters being really cold and a lot more snow, and I remember summers being way hotter. Like, there was always a, a week in August where it was, like, 105. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. Yeah, we had a very mild winter this you year. You remember that one day when every it was, like, two or three days before Christmas? See, I, I remember these things because I have a chocolate shop. It was the busiest day we've, we have ever had um, because everybody was going to go out of town and they were leaving early or they were not going or things were changing. So everybody came in to get their chocolates now. Yeah. You know, um, but we were it was going to be first it was four inches of snow. Then it was eight. Then it was 12. We didn't even get a dusting. Like, we went outside and we're like, we can still see the sidewalk the next morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes they're very off predictions. It was just so well, weird. Well, I, I have a theory about this. Ooh. I think that it's the sensationalization of weather events to sell advertising. <laughs> I think it's like, it gets more clicks, it gets more views when people yeah. are tuned in yeah. looking for Tim getting straight into politics. Wild. 
Oh, hey. here we go. Right? Because it could be the sensationalization of anything. Yeah. That's, I mean, That's it really segue. could be. We're right on the platform. Climate change politics. I mean, it's politics. the exact same thing. Yeah. We did bring up Christmas, so we got religion in there, oh, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Right. You broke Everything. the rule first. I did, because I didn't say holiday season. I could have said right, holiday. Right. The, the December holidays. Yeah. Is that always the busiest time of year for 100%. you? 100%. Okay. Because we, we're pretty diverse among our revenue streams. You know, we've got wholesale which all wholesalers want a lot of chocolate in December. Yeah. We've got e-commerce online. That's busy in December. Yeah, you what, know, is, how, what markets, percentage of everything is e-commerce? It's not huge for us partially because so we run into the early adopter syndrome where we had a website long before everybody else because my husband is a computer programmer. Um, so we had a website. We could accept credit cards long before it was a thing. Now it's really pretty easy to set up a website just to accept mm -hmm. credit cards and that sort of thing. But we have three kids in a business, yeah. so have not been able to kind of catch up and actually update our website. It's the same website it was a decade ago, which is just not okay in e-commerce land. So it's not great. I yeah. mean, what, 10%, 15%, something okay. like that. But yeah. something, yeah, it's solid. No, it's, it's solid. Yeah. It's enough to justify keep doing it. Do you do fulfillment or do you have a DC? We do it all because our shelf life is too short to Oh, do yeah, that else. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So how those things you learn going yeah. into business. You're like, yeah. <laughs> wait, I have a really short shelf life product. This is actually kind of hard. Yeah. Luckily, clothes kind of last a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say that you, it's better to use fresh fabrics. Like we, huh. we've used like, really? sometimes it's interesting to use dead stock fabrics because you find like funky prints and stuff mm -hmm. like that or novelty things. But um, you kind of want that fresh fabric. Like our knits, when we did our knits in LA, we would... We'd have it milled in LA and cut right away. Wow, hmm. what's the difference? It's just it's just better to cut. Um, some of, when we try to do a little bit of synthetic um, content in there for durability, color steadfastness, because it's uniforms, you know. So we want it to look like a casual outfit, but it has to be functional at the same time. So we try to have a little bit of durability. We also want some stretch in there. So stretch goes bad over time, mm. and um, it becomes fibers like can become brittle. I yeah, gotcha. it's, I've definitely it's pulled some pants but... like in my closet and been and hear the crack, crack, crack yeah, the elastics yeah. just gone. Like when you're out <laughs> of socks and you find like that one pair of socks you haven't worn in like ten years and you try to put it on and the elastic doesn't go back. It's, just a bag. it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then it's loose on your ankle yeah. and you have a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> um, all right, so let's you, go all the way back. Yeah, let's go all the way back. Okay, you started your business at fourteen. No, no, I. So, so, started making things right, at 14. Yes, okay, yes. Right, so, right. well, I started really young, and that's one of those things with childhood memories. It's like, when did I? Did I start making caramels at 10 or 12? But it was right around then. Um, I started, so yeah, I just, I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin. We had cows, Jersey cows, the best of the cows. Um, so we had. <laughs> Wait, uh, is there a reason for that? What's the, uh, they, is that just personal so, opinion? Well, there's a little, there's a little bit of personal opinion in there, but Jersey cows are much smaller than Holstein cows, which the Holsteins are the ones pretty much everybody sees the big black and white cows. Yeah. So they're smaller. Um, thus they have, you know, a lower yield, um, of milk. Mm -hmm. Um, but the actual milk is higher in butter fat. It's higher in protein. So it's like, Ooh. you know, one could argue better milk milk yeah um, that's wow. the kind of milk and cream we use in our in our shops actually oh. so and if we wanted to get that milk as a consumer what's uh, the brand i know a, a kilgus farms 
Okay. Okay. So I know Food Smart actually carries Kilgus Farms. And that's the unpasteurized. Milk. So it's not unpasteurized. You can't. Oh. We, yeah, we can't legally use unpasteurized product, but, but it's unhomogenized. One... Oh, that's probably um, what you're yes, thinking of. Exactly. Yeah. So homogenization is just making sure the milk, the the cream, they basically break the cream particles down so it stays evenly distributed the in the milk. The texture is the same throughout. Yeah. Exactly. This is like cream top milk, right? So you have that. You have to shake up the jug. Oh, Give it a good little, a little and, shake before drinking. And where in Wisconsin is this? So, well, I grew or up on a farm in western up, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah um, Kilgus is not too far away. They're in central Illinois. Okay. Yeah. And that's the one, uh, that's your supplier of dairy. Correct. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. So they're fantastic. They do a great job. They actually bottle their own milk on premises, which I think they're the only private bottling plant. Well, the only like farm-owned bottling plant. All the rest are co-ops and stuff like that. The, the dairy industry is a weird industry. Mm. It's a tough one. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin. We used cream from our Jersey, delightful Jersey cows, to make caramels <laughs> um, and truffles. And I just thought it was a thing everybody did until I moved to Chicago at 18 and started give, you know, making these truffles and caramels for holiday gifts. And folks were like, wow, these are, these are really good. So wait, what brought you here? I um, was dating um, a, a man who's now my husband. Ah. Um, so moved here. He came here for school. Uh, I came here to live with him. Sounds pretty serious. Yeah, and you were making <laughs> and selling these truffles and caramels from 18 years old. So, so I just did it for friends and family to okay. start so that, and I worked at Potbelly sandwich works. That was my first job off the farm. So here in Chicago. So I worked there for four years um, and then spent that last year kind of launching the business. So I launched the business at 22 um, in 2006. Wow. I was saddened to learn recently that Potbelly doesn't do breakfast sandwiches at all their locations anymore. <laughs> That's so, I am saddened. I liked that. it. Because well, when I worked on the good. trading floor, that was like, that was yeah. my breakfast. That was my first job, right? At 175 Jackson. We yeah. Across the trading floor. Oh. Yeah. Traders. yeah. Wow. Well, that Potbelly is like a prime. Yeah. Uh, Lunch meal spot, for man. traders. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in 2006, was that the first storefront on Armitage too? I wish. No, we're all self-financed. So it's very much like, you know, we start, did a year, we did like a few months from just our condo um, and then four years from a rental um, kitchen, from different rental kitchens. Um, and that was back when they weren't really licensed very well, right? So um, they, there were no shared kitchen licenses. It was just a regular business license. And so for every business that operated out of each kitchen, they would get an additional health inspection. So, you know, oh, we're talking, yeah, six, eight, 12 health inspections per year. Would they do them at the same time? Or no. Is, oh, mm -mm. God. So every month you've got the inspector yeah. in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a thing. <laughs> did, you, quite uh, thing. did you ever get dinged for anything? Not severely. You know, they're always just like, hey, put this over here or like... You know, yeah, label this a in a different way. Yeah, label this in a different way. Put a thermometer over there. That yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. What were the first things that you made for friends and family that got the kind of the reaction where you were like, oh, this could be a thing? Yeah. Yeah. The caramels, I think, were really extraordinary just because I think a good, a really good caramel is kind of hard to come by. Um, so it's our honey vanilla caramel, which we still make to this day, and the chocolate walnut caramel. Those were really big. And then we made two truffles, creme de menthe and toasted coconut rum. Um, and we would like, you know, we taught when, you know, my husband and I taught ourselves how to do all this stuff. Cause how long did it take you to make those internet. good? Um, a long time, I would say, um, longer than it would have had I, you know, gone to pastry school, done internships, those sorts of things that really helped the learning curve. Um, you know, they were good for the first few years. Um, I think about year five is when they really got good. Cause that's one thing with bootstrapping your own business too, is like you're focused on so many other things yeah. that, you know, it just takes a lot of hours. And then you go back and you're like, I've now learned that this product isn't as amazing as it could be. Let's look at it and figure out why and how. And, you know, why are truffles cracking or why are they leaking or why is this 
like why is ganache popping out over here or so had you gone to school for it you maybe would have learned you know shorter learning curve but what are some of the benefits of maybe not having the traditional education i think there are a lot of benefits um so i actually have no college degree um which is funny because like we're signing our our two and a half year old up for this this little um this co-op and they they're like well we need an educational certificate so you can be a classroom assistant and i'm like i was homeschooled and i didn't go to college so i i have I have nothing. I give my word <laughs> yeah. that I'm educated. You That's get my like, mom on the horn. Yeah, yeah, truly, <laughs> truly. So it's kind of funny. So yeah, I don't have a college degree, but um, but I think I think the advantages are honestly, I think I would have been too scared to start the business, right? I run into people. I mean, starting a business at 22 is kind of wild to begin with. Yeah. Um, and I run into people regularly who are in their 30s and their 40s with much more experience, but it's it's a big leap. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's a really big leap. Um. There's definitely something about, um, you know, wanting it, wanting the success and this freedom and this idea of like, okay, I think there's, I think I can create this thing. I have this idea and this dream, this passion that I think I can make come alive. Um, and I definitely think, you know, by following a traditional path, it, it, some things become easier, but, but I think some things do very much become harder. You know, I don't know if I would still be doing it today. Do you think that um, starting at a young age was a benefit for like, establishing wholesale relationships where you're like, oh, wow, this young person is doing something. Like, the product's great, and she's young. I like what's going on here. Yeah, it's a, absolutely. It's a good story to tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that helped. Um, it also helped because, you know, I had all the time in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think that's one thing that really helped is getting my feet well underneath me before starting a, um, a family, mm-hmm. you know, because I definitely see people with young children starting businesses, and, and that's just really tough. You know, there's so many 60, 80-hour weeks that – are done now. They're behind me, right? We know how to build out a cost sheet and to talk to wholesalers. We know what that messaging looks like. We know how to do our product. We know to launch products with UPCs. You know, just all of these things that I don't have to learn um, was incredible. So that really helped a ton. I didn't have bills, right? I didn't have to worry about retirement or healthcare and just all that stuff Mm. that, you know, when you get into your 30s and 40s, you have to. So when you were 14 and starting to learn about all this what did you start with and what was that like how'd you get into it um well I got into it so again I was homeschooled um and so one of my mom's ways to teach us stuff was to to use real world you know examples and so she's like all right you want to start a business let's here's 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 a way to figure out how much each thing costs like how much would the cream cost if you had to buy it Mm. you know how much is your sugar and how much is your labor and how much is your your caramel wrappers and so that was it was a 4-h project um you know that we they kind of got out of hand (laughs) um so that's how that's how we that's how i started off um and i just i remember taking them in these little like cellophane bags with stars on them and gold curling ribbon and we take them around to like the neighborhood uh, co-ops and like the bank you know we'd like go to the bank and the credit union and how did like, you price your labor at that time oh my gosh right uh five dollars an hour right i don't i don't know i was 14 <laughs> yeah i was gonna say was it commercially viable uh that's a good at question i, I honestly stuff? don't remember yeah. i don't remember because um, it was also just very seasonal you know i'd yeah. really we'd make like i don't know five or ten pounds of caramels around the holiday season and then and then that was kind of it. How many caramels are in five to ten pounds? Um, let's see, forty caramels per pound, so okay. three hundred sixty ten yeah. pounds. Yeah, oh, something like that. Homeschooling worked. Nice. Yeah, that's quick math. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so all right, and was your mom like, "These are great"? Like, what yeah, did she say? yeah, no, people loved them. So I mean, it started off just as a. Um, 
you know, a, a recipe from an old Fanny Farmer cookbook. So it was Mr. B's caramels, but Mr. B used corn syrup. So then it's like, okay, let's adjust this recipe to use, you know, um, our neighbor's honey. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the things that we got to play around with. But yeah, no people, I mean, I still love them. They're still good. So you've been doing local sourcing since the, since the start. And, and that's one of the advantages to that farm upbringing. A, the like, I don't even want to say a love of hard work, but like a not shying away from it. Just very mm-hmm. much, you know, being more excited about a fantastic, you know, vision and, and dream than necessarily yeah. the, the four-hour work week that I know was very popular in the Yeah, in it's the a very aughts. Midwestern mentality. Danny doesn't really know anything about that, but you and I, <laughs> uh, having grown up here, we it's in our bones. So Yeah, yeah Tim's kind of like farm country adjacent. <laughs> it's true. I'm a farmer on the weekends. Weekend <laughs> yeah, farmer. Weekend a gentleman farmer. Yeah, and then so like, was it always like self-taught? Yeah, so I've I've I um, recognized the need probably in my in my mid twenties. You know, you kind of get over that arrogance of starting the business. You you get a few crushing defeats, and you're like, maybe I don't know everything. Yeah, let's go learn from other people. And so I did some kind of shorter internships and some stages. You know, I had a few years, 2011, 2012. In 2014, um, particularly, where I was like, let's go out and learn from other people. You know, let's try to um, do chocolate classes or do, like, I staged over at Lula for a day. And just let's let's try to learn from other people and see what they do. So not just making chocolate, but, like, you know, how do you treat your employees? Um, how do you um, attract and retain great talent? Yeah. Um, how do you run your costs and labor? Um, and it's, it's always surprising to find out, you know, to learn – Something that's just so simple and and just you know can can kind of blow your mind. You're like, wait, why haven't we been doing this all along? Yeah, mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, because you don't know what you don't know. We we like I we we're I was self taught in the apparel industry when we started stock. I I worked with a pattern maker. I repped a Japanese textile mill. I worked in the factory, but I didn't have like the education underneath me. And then we hired a technical designer earlier this year, who had been doing denim for ten years, like for a legit company. And I was like, holy shit, there's a this is how it's really yeah. supposed to be yeah. done. Like I had cobbled That's together so cool. my method over the past 10 years, yep. but it was like, it's, it was eye opening. I was like, yeah. man, if I had known this from the start, like, like you, I probably would have been too scared to start a business. Yeah. And again, like, I don't, th- I don't think our, our path was bad, you know, clearly mm-hmm. not. Yeah, no. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. It worked out. Um, it, yeah. It clearly worked <laughs> out, but, but there's definitely like, I think back, I'm like, Oh, I wish I had done this, you know? And so, that's one thing that I love doing now is whenever anybody emails me, they're like, hey, Catherine, I'm looking at starting my own business. Would you sit down with me? I'm like, absolutely. 100%. No questions asked. When are we meeting? Um, because if I can shorten that learning curve for somebody else, I'm just so happy to. Are That's you worried cool. that someone would come in and like steal recipes? No. Absolutely not. I would give my recipe away to anybody because it's not about the recipe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's about all the other stuff. You yeah. know? It's about the the talent it's about the people it's about you know the story and the packaging and, and the customers right yeah if somebody wants to do it go for, you know more power to them but you've heard those that that saying before right the great ideas are what one percent inspiration 99 percent perspiration yeah we've mm-hmm. done the perspiration <laughs> if somebody else wants to do it again hats off to, to you yeah exactly yeah. are there other uh you know confectionery treats that you enjoy other than your own oh absolutely yeah no chicago chicago is kind of a funny chocolate town um in that we are very into we're very into like pie and donuts and ice cream but when we think of 
you know, having an espresso and an afternoon chocolate, we just don't think of that, right? Yeah. Why do why does Europe think of this and we don't? I, I couldn't I truly couldn't tell you. Yeah. But we do have the chocolate scene that we do have, even though it's small, it's mighty, um, and it's mostly female run. So there's um, Uzma Sharif and Pilsen. Um, I think she's getting ready to open up her new shop. Um, she makes amazing stuff. Amy's Candy Bar up in Ravenswood. Um, I love her candy bars. They're so fantastic. Um, so there are other um, confectioners in Chicago that do amazing stuff. I really love eating honeycomb. That's something that I don't make. It's just like this very bubbly, like aerated confection. Um, it's just delicious. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Why do you sure. think it is uh, female dominated? That's a great question. I, I couldn't uh, tell you. Seems like a lot of top pastry chefs are female as well. Yeah. I wonder if it's, yeah. Be, well, and a lot of top chefs are, are male. So I wonder if that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely a more traditional cultural societal thing that yeah. is that is true right now but i couldn't i couldn't tell you why i bet that tide is turning though it absolutely is it's yeah. cool to see mm-hmm. it's cool to see yeah so i wonder yeah because honestly most of our team is female as well yeah uh actually, how big is the team now <laughs> so we're up to we've got uh, probably four people in the kitchen and then we've got a front of house staff of six wow um and then we have a couple people that do farmers markets and events yeah too so when did the storefront open in on Armitage? On Armitage, so we we moved in there in 2010. Um, we were just doing production and events there for two years, and then we opened for retail in 2012. And then the our second location, Irving Park, has been has been a journey. Um, <laughs> so we opened because we opened in June, right, of 2023. Um, I put the offer on the building. Christmas Eve of 2021. Wow. So, okay. yeah. As, th- as things were opening, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were starting to. And we had been looking for a building since 2018, you know, mm. because just with this idea, again, of like, this is the thing that I love. This is, you know, my passion. If I want to make this a long-term thing, I want to own a building and be able to kind of build it out like I want and be able to, you know, make this my retirement savings, you know? Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, we've been looking for a building for a long time, but the commercial loan process was quite a thing. Um, it took 10 months to close the loan, which again, coming from a residential, you know, I've closed several residential loans, you know, as we like moved condos or whatever. Mm. And it's just, you know, it's a very quick process and commercial is such a different ball game. Yeah. And then the build out process and dealing with the city and the shortages. Oh my goodness, y'all. Yeah. We were told, uh, uh, 20... It was almost, I remember thinking it was almost a year. So I think it was like a 38 or 40 week lead time for an electrical panel that we needed. And again, my GC is like, listen, I'm used to just walking in and picking these up off the (laughs) shelves. So that was a week where I spent just reaching out to everybody in my network being like, this is a weird question. We're looking for a 400 (laughs) amp panel. Can't find one. Yeah, happen to have And then when you can find one, it's five times the cost. It was about twice, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it ended up being like the neighbor to our HVAC guy had a panel sitting on a shelf. That's the, the only way we could have found it, though. Dark Community, web. yeah. Yeah, or else we would we would literally not even be open yet. But you did do it. You made it happen. Yeah. I mean, my GC did, but I tried. <laughs> I tried to make it happen. I was like, and that's the other thing, too. That's, I think, a thing that... I don't know if this is a Midwestern thing, a farming thing, a, like... 
too stupid to quit thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, when my GC told me that, I was like, well, what are our options? And he was like, well, we don't really have any. You know, we went over a, couple, a few things that we kind of dismissed together. And I was like, well, I'm not I'm not accepting this. Yeah. Like, I'm, we're yeah, going to go out. And, yeah, I, I was like, I, we, we will run out of money. <laughs> like, we have to open. So, you know, I that's when I started reaching out to my network. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I need a panel. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Need panel will pay. Yes, yeah. yes. So missed, how did missed connection? <laughs> you a four hundred amp panel. <laughs> Me a desperate chocolatier. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, complete your bar. So what was your first wholesale account and um, how has that grown over the years? Um, my first wholesale account was, was fantastic. It was Metropolis Coffee. Um, we ended up working together for a couple of years, but I remember going in because um, I was working at Popular Sandwich Works when I started my company. So I was a manager at the Merchandise Mart, um, 50 hours a week, and then I'd like make the caramels and, and truffles on the weekends and stuff. And I remember going in. And uh, I met with the cafe manager, Arlette, um, who's, I mean, I don't, I do not know where she is, right? This was 2006. And, um, and I brought her my, my caramels and she tried one and she's like, oh, this is really good. I was like, thank you. She's like, well, what's your wholesale price? I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, traditionally there's a discount. <laughs> you know, she literally <laughs> just walked, she was so kind. Um, and I still remember that to this day, just, and I was like, let me get back to you on that. Right. Um, so, so that was an early one. Um, and I think kind of like, like you mentioned him, you know, we had some initial success due to just giving the caramels out. And there was, there was a little place in the merchandise mark called the artisan seller. Um, they disappeared over the pandemic, but they would sell the caramels at the register and the chef would be like, here, you got to try this. This is so good. And like everybody would, would buy a caramel. And so we got an article in the sun times that fall about our products. And so we were like, you know, we didn't have a car. So I would be like biking around to these office buildings being like, where's sweet 201? You know, I need to deliver chocolates, you know, and just kind of figuring yeah. it out as we go along. Right. Was that a um, huge boom from the Chicago Sun-Times feature? Yeah, it was amazing. It was a it was a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, I mean, you got into, like, other, you know, what are some other wholesale relationships? Ever I heard guess? of Whole Foods, dude? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Whole so, Foods, so they're Whole the, Foods. They're at the airport. Yeah. The duty-free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those have been good. Um, yeah, so we're, we're, we work with Hudson News um, through, um, I think they have us in the Sarah's, Sarah's Candies um, concept and then we just started working with Dufree as well. So, um, so yeah, we've got a couple of different ones. But Whole Foods was great because, you know, we came on with them back in the day in 2008. So I, again, biked my samples over to the Midwest office at, you know, Belmont and Ashland um, and took the samples up. And they're like, oh, yeah, these are really good. I think we'll bring them on. 
That was <laughs> that like, was oh. our process. So, you know, people now, they're like, oh, man, Whole Foods is so tough to get into. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, here, here's my, like, 18-page Excel document I have to fill out on this audit requirement. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, man, that sounds rough. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, glad I started early. Truly, truly. But that is one thing where actually I think we're, we're starting to see the, the kind of the closing of that chapter. Um, they have introduced an audit requirement. Um, which does include, you know, we ha- would have to have a HACCP man- a certified HACCP manager on site at all times when oh. products are being made. Um, like the, I looked. How we, many people could afford that? Yeah. Well, so that's the thing is it's like crazy. we started to go down the path. We contacted an auditor and then started to read over the requirements that they were looking for. And and because they, you can't really certify a product, right? The whole facility has to be mm. certified. Oh. So all of our cafe stuff that we're making, I mean, we're making like as far as SKUs hundreds right yeah. and so and we have to have a has plan for each like kind of different item so that would be probably in the fifty thousand dollar and then this is a yearly audit that you oh need my to God. do right and so so to become compliant my guess was probably close to fifty thousand dollars um so we're we're currently just exploring okay because because Whole Foods requested the audit for our chocolate that we're selling there, the truffles. They're not requesting it for caramels and marshmallows, so we might just say, "Hey, let's just let's just not let's sell keep chocolate." Keep the caramels and marshmallows. Exactly, but I do see that going forward, right? They're going to want to limit the liability, and really, for Whole Foods right now, our small suppliers like ourselves worth it. You know, me as a consumer, I think, of course, clearly, I think we are. Um, but is the average Whole Foods consumer that's going there, do they care that Catherine Ann Confections is bringing them amazing truffles? Or are they going to have like one chocolate company that supplies the entire United States? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last year, it might have been last year, if it might have been like, two years ago. Catherine Ann, we want you to do the whole United States. You'd Bring it like, on. Done. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me invest in that. And I would take out a loan and figure out whatever it took to get that auditing done. But um, last year, it was either last year or two years ago that they're. Um, their Midwest buyers went away. So there's now one global buyer wow. that buys for the entire United States down in Texas. So I can't go down to my Midwest office and say, hey. They could bike all the way to Texas. I could bike to Texas. <laughs> now that's that interesting. That would be a thing. Um, we could film I, it. This, but this, joiners, is, this is yeah. one for your category. One buyer. Correct. So, okay. so And what does that entail? Well, so my category is pretty big. Yeah. Um, it's specialty which includes cheese, wine. I think that this buyer might just be for accoutrement, which is, you know, uh, the chocolates, the nuts, the olives, the stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, yeah, that's for the whole United States, to my knowledge. And then does it start, like, I, I know Whole Foods is good about reaching out to smaller companies, and then I mean, you see their pictures in the elevator. Sure do. Um, <laughs> I think mine is in a, a few of them, yeah. Yeah, so does it, is it, <laughs> We're going to start you in this local market, and then based on performance, you'll you expand from there. And is that does that go out in concentric circles? How does your like how does that growth work? You know, that's a good question. Just because I think for for us, we never reached the daily volume that I think they would want to see. For us, our performance was just so exceptionally good right around the holiday season mm-hmm. and uh, Valentine's Day. So that's when we did really well. Um, but you know, in August, not a lot of people are buying chocolate at Whole Foods, and so. I think for those, they're really good at supporting folks that like have a hummus or a, you know, that thing that like people a year get. round. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah, that's what they want to see. They want to see you start with a store, two stores, four stores. Okay, if that goes really well, then let's talk the Midwest region. You know, so those were back and, in our heyday. We yeah. would we made twenty five thousand truffles for them a few times mm-hmm. for all the Midwest stores for you know what fifty six stores or whatever it was at that point. So how does um, 
around those busy times, those holidays, how much lead time are they giving you for placing those wholesale orders? We were trying to work on more, but the shortest lead time they ever gave us was four weeks to turn okay. one around. And is that a little... comfortable for you or is that no, getting tight? No, that's tight. Yeah, yeah. because, <laughs> I mean, it was always a, a struggle because, you know, they do this for Valentine's Day. They do it for a few years. And so we'd have our, our seasonal production staff and we're like, hey, guys, we're just waiting here on this Whole Foods order. Mm-hmm. And then December 15th rolls around and we're like, it's kind of getting there. <laughs> like, because they would want the order in the stores around, you know, January 20, you know, the end of January. So we'd want to start making it kind of early January. And would they ever come back to you and be like, well, we blew through that. Can you get a second Yeah, run? yeah. So so the cool thing, that the way that it used to work, which I loved, was the regional buyer would say, hey, guys, we're going to send chocolates to everybody. Um, here's the allotment per store. So, you know, two cases of this to this store, three to that store, that sort of thing. So they just send a whole big order. We could drop it off at the regional distribution center. They'd send it out to everybody. It was awesome. Um, and then each store would reach out to us. So Gold Coast would say, hey. I need another five cases. It's like, great, let's get to work on that. And Lakeview would reach out, hey, I need eight cases. Okay, great, let's get to work on that. And then we would deliver those ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then we'd ship the ones that were further away, even suburbs like Northbrook we'd ship to, and, you know, even Green Bay Road, Evanston, we'd just ship to them. How um, many could you produce in a, like in a week, let's say? Um, that's a good question. It depends on how late I'm working, right? So, um, I mean, you know, in 2020 and 2021, we would, we had two shifts of production. So we had our 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and we had our 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, and so we could, we could get, we could get a lot done, you know, in one good day, I can dip 2000 truffles, um, you know. That's, that's Are you the fastest one? Yeah, I can usually, we have, we have, I mean, this is one cool thing about where my, where my husband's computer programming knowledge comes in. We have like timings for our production team. So everybody knows exactly how long things should take. Um, and so that's how we refer to speed in the kitchen is like how much, how, you know, what percent are you? Um, and so, you know, I am at, are typically to dip a tray of truffles, 160 truffles is one hour. And I can, if I'm really killing it, I can do 20 minutes. Um, but typically, like, 30 minutes is what I can count on with, like, a phone call coming in or an interruption or a, yeah. whatever, helping out. The natural direct order arrives, whatever is, it might be. Is pay incentivized by production speed? No. We decided not to do that, again, just to for the culture that we wanted to have in the company, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. if You'd you reach it. You'd end up with a it, Lucy on the conveyor belt situation. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> or, like, an Amazon situation, right? You know, where you're just like, oh, can I afford to go to the bathroom? You know, we yeah, never wanted tough. people to, right. to feel like that. Um, and we never happy wanted... for people to feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you Tim run production, we had our factory here. I was, like, we thought about it. Like, how do you keep people motivated? Like, more money, that means more production. And ultimately, we decided just to make it a team thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And and even if we're just like, yeah, like saying, okay, we want to get this done in less than X amount of yeah, minutes. Yeah, because then they're, they're, if you do piecework, you can you get people who, well, it's not fair to everybody because some people, Never. they're at different sewing levels. Um, but then you get some people who are just like, will just crank and then they, then they only want to work three days a week. Mm. It's like, I'll, do, I'll work my ass off for three days and then peace or out. Or is it possible they work really quickly but don't do great work? Yes, that too. So you need quality checks at every step. Um, I feel like people taking shortcuts would be the first. Yeah, but but you have everybody. We had everybody cross trained on every machine, and they were doing QC at every step yeah, and before packaging too. Yeah. Um, back to Catherine for one sec. Are you sure? <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> actually so had a follow up question to yours too. So is this, is this still related to the holiday rush? Um, I'm just curious, which of your SKUs takes the longest to produce? 
That's a good question. You know, um, there's a reason people don't do truffles, right? So I think we should start there because, um, you know, we, it's a numerous day process and we have it set up. I mean, man, I think back to when I first started, um, I'd come in because I'd rent a kitchen one day a week. So I'd come in in the morning and I'd start making ganache and wait for them to set up. You know, and after they set up, we'd pipe them, we'd weigh and roll them, and then we'd dip in the afternoon. And some days, man, I just, I remember, you know, I'd start at like 9 or 10 in the morning, and I remember driving home one morning, you know, I don't know, 20, 2009, right after I got the, our car, I think, and I had seen the sun come up, you know? Because just some days were longer, right? Yeah, so you're like, oh, I have more orders this week, but I only have my one day in the kitchen, so I guess I'm staying here until it's done, right? So you're driving home five or six in the morning, you're just like, that's almost a 24 hour straight day. Yeah, if yeah. From 9 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah, and it was wow. wild. It was wild. So, but that doesn't, that also just doesn't work very well for chocolate. You know, chocolate needs time to crystallize, it needs time to set up. So, um, so we try to make our ganaches on one day, and we weigh and roll them, and then we, you know, refrigerate them. Um, and then on another day, we will, you know, we, we have pars now, right? Um, so instead of making what you need in the day, you have like, okay, I need 200. I always have 200 of this. My orders are very rarely more than 200. So on Monday mornings, we pull our ganaches Sunday night um, so they can all come to temp. Monday mornings is when we start our chocolate work. Um, so that's when we're tempering chocolate. We're dipping our truffles. The next day, we'll we'll um, put all of the truffles into candy cups. We'll start our packaging, like our two-piece boxes, our four-piece boxes, our five-piece boxes. You know, pack up our bulk um, products for you know different restaurants or, or um, wine bars or whoever is buying individual truffles. Um, we'll get trays ready to send down to our shop and for our farmers markets. Um, and then you know on Wednesday. We will typically, you know, make marshmallows. Marshmallows are pretty easy. Marshmallows and caramels are both pretty easy. You know, for marshmallows you, you and caramels, you both you cook syrups. For marshmallows, you whip them um, and, and aerate them. And then they all they just set up until the next day when you cut and package them. So marshmallows, caramels are pretty easy. Truffles are definitely the tough one. Yeah. Um, back to the busy holiday season yeah. real quick. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when, when you do get these orders, where, so you do the first big order and then people come yeah. in and like, hey, I need eight more cases, six yeah. more cases, whatever. What are the potential hurdles in fulfilling those? Like, do you keep a certain amount of packaging on hand or, um, you know, you talk about shelf life. Like, do you have, how do you manage your, um, raw material, raw, you know, ingredients That's the nice thing about it is that most of our, our chocolate is our biggest raw material right um it's expensive but it also lasts for a really nice long time so we have lots and lots of it and our suppliers have ru absolutely run out of chocolate in the past like mm -hmm. mid whole foods order we'd be like well they've they've been out of milk chocolate for three weeks so let's source another chocolate from somewhere else that meets our same ingredient criteria yeah that's what really tough. chocolate do you source we use the chocolate from guitard so we use their e-guitard line they're out of san francisco they have a distribution warehouse in addison so we just drive out there and pick up chocolate like every and what couple form of is this chocolate so we get it in in little discs um which is really the only thing we can do we have to to be able to melt it easily so we can never get a big block of chocolate unless or we were to grind it down in some in some capacity what's our disc diameter we're talking frisbee yeah, <laughs> you're funny um no, they serious. are they are five <laughs> gram like little, five like gram this, right? five gram discs oh okay. like this bag? Yep. like a nico yep. wafer yeah. yeah yeah you see them they're called sometimes calais or pistols or something. Wafer? yeah i think Neko, yeah but, mm. yeah you see chocolate discs like this in the store sometimes okay um, yeah i've seen those before I think Valrona might no you're thinking of a stroopwafel yeah. <laughs> those are different yeah. big discs. <laughs> so a guy like me when i'm at whole foods and i'm looking at just the chocolate section chocolate bars yeah we're not there i'm like no i know but like you're you're a chocolate expert at this yeah. point i 
I would call you. Sure. Com- especially compared to me. <laughs> I, I'm looking at this wall. I'm like, where do I even start? Well, what do you, do you have like? some tips for somebody? So yeah, it's, yeah. it's all subjective, like? I know. But like, what are some things you don't want? What are some things you do want? Like maybe in the ingredient side. Yeah. Like yeah, how would you yeah. guide somebody through a chocolate section? Yeah. Well, I store? think I think just the very fact that you're looking at a wall of chocolate is a very good sign, right? Yeah, there's some the variety. Right there's some choices. <laughs> you're in a good space. Right? There's not <laughs> yeah. like three chocolate bars to choose from. You probably have some choices. You Too know? many. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of choices. So I always start with um, how dark or how light you like your chocolate. Yeah. But let's let's answer your ingredients question first. So, you know, I want a pretty pure ingredient label as far as some sort of a lethicin. Lethicin is just a fluid. It's just to help the viscosity. It's just to help it be fluid enough to be molded easily. You can absolutely, some places don't have it, some or some companies don't use it, which is totally fine, and some do. It's absolutely not going to affect the taste I mean, in any way, I would be shocked if you could try, if you could taste it Mm. um, in a bar. Um, So that is fine if you see a soy or sunflower lethicin. Other than that, everything should be pretty understandable. You know, cacao salads, cacao mass, chocolate liquor, those are all the same. Yeah, those are all the same thing. It's just like ground down chocolate. Um, And so, and yeah, vanilla of some sort, I would absolutely look for, um, for real vanilla versus vanillin or fake vanilla, Um, artificial flavors. I mean... And the other thing I actually personally try to avoid is natural flavors. If something specific says natural flavors instead of like, if it says orange essential oil, absolutely, I'm in for it. But natural flavor just means that it's a flavor made from natural sources. So it means it's a flavor made from corn or soy. It does not mean that it's real strawberries, you know? Yeah. Like you can't make a strawberry flavoring, to my knowledge. Yeah. I have never found one. You what's, can only use strawberries. Yeah, What are, Tim, so what's your, do you like a dark uh, yeah. milk? What's yeah, your, I, I prefer dark chocolate. What's your percent? But not too, I don't like it super bitter. I think that's so, like 70%. I, I couldn't agree more, Danny. Yeah. I think you're right on it. So um, so 70 favorite. is where you see most makers will start with 70% cacao. Because um, that's, I think the that's what most consumers like in it's a dark a chocolate. Spot. It is a sweet spot. Yeah. Oh, um, that's good. That's What's good. your favorite chocolate? Uh, like if you're having to have a bar, a plain bar of chocolate. Man. I, so I love trying new chocolates. Um, actually, one of the coolest weeks of my life was when the so the, the U.S. and Peru work together. They're like trade um they worked together to be the trade partners. And so they were doing a delegation to Peru for chocolate makers and invited me. And I, and I was very upfront. I was like, guys, I'm not, a, a, I'm not making chocolate from the bean. I'd love to go. This sounds really cool, but I'm not making chocolate <laughs> from the bean. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be. And they're like, we're happy to have you. Let's do this thing. So I actually got to make truffles in Peru using their local ingredients. Um were they superior? No, they were just different. It was cool, though. It, yeah. was, it was very neat. They had a translator. And then people would come up afterwards, hey, um, I want to make a truffle with cherimoya. And I was like, what is that? Tell me more. Yeah. So it was really fascinating. Um, but I got to try, you know, over the course of three days, I got to try probably 80 different chocolate bars. And almost all of them were 70%. And all of them were Peruvian. Hmm. Um, so that was just such... Because I've always love tasting different chocolate bars and and do all the time but that was such an eye-opening experience as far as these are all these bars are all the same cacao percentage approximately and they're all from the same 
you know, general geographic area, but being able to taste the difference in yeah, that's cool. the production of every one. And not only, you know, much like wine, it's very much about how the cacao is grown, what varietal was, but also how is it treated afterwards? Are we doing a slow roast? Are we doing a long roast? What temp are you roasting to? How are you fermenting the cacao beans before you before they're being roasted? Um yeah. It was absolutely fascinating. So, yeah, I think <clears throat> starting with 70% is great. And then kind of learning, you know, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, like Peruvian chocolate tends to be bright. It tends to be acidic. I think more bean-to-bar chocolate in general, you are going to find more of those bright kind of fruity flavors. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think of, like, Peruvian chocolate as being more like that. So you might want a more nutty, um, like, chill, you know, chocolate that maybe is just more chocolatey and it's yeah. not about the but you know there's a flavor wheel for chocolate like there is for a lot of things and so mm. so yeah. yeah for uh yeah that's it kind of reminds me when uh a few years ago for christmas at my father-in-law's place in woodstock uh we we had a bunch of single origin chocolates so they were all like the same cacao percentage i don't know if they were all 70 but let's say they were all 70 sure and they came from like different places of origin and we were just shocked at how, and we blind tasted them, how different each one was. Like it was like the first time I think I ever realized how different they could be from one another. Yeah. We I also just similar. love that this is a thing you do in the holidays. Like I yeah. think. We always do know, a blind tasting yeah. at Christmas of some sort. Really? Yeah. We did all vanilla really ice cool. creams last year. You have I to think. do it with the miracle fruit this year. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah that would be amazing. <laughs> This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. Was it Xavier talking about just the kind of range of how we don't really know much about cacao? Like in yeah. America, we just think it's like all the same yeah. thing, yeah, but they're so they're right. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, I guess, how low can you go on cacao? Is there like a certain amount? Does it have to be 51% to be considered chocolate? You know, the FDA has has it regulated. It's pretty low though, right? Because yeah. Hershey's is still I was going to say, what's a Hershey's <laughs> yes. like Well, a, right. It's 2%. not. I don't even know. You don't want the Hershey's Mafia coming out. Yeah. You. I know, here they come. This is it. <laughs> yeah, I'm an honorary member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. What is the percent? It, it is. I know it's regulated. I it just, I, I can't remember the number right off the top of my head, but it's like, it's pretty low. 20%. Yeah. I bet Google knows. Hmm. And what is like of all the things that you make, does your do your kids and husband have favorites? Oh yeah. My actually my, my eight year old um she'll try a lot of ch- chocolate and candy. She's like, This is too sweet. Mommy, you know I don't like milk chocolate. So she <laughs> has got, definitely like, fine palate. She's already. definitely it used to be like just anything that was sweet, she's like, Give it to me and then now she's <laughs> like, Yeah, that you know, she'll have a bite of a dessert and be like no, thank you. Wow. Yeah, I'm not really into it. Yeah, I wonder if it's like that sort of thing where the kids are growing up around so much. It could be. Kind of like, yeah, treats and things yeah. that they're going to become averse to it over time. Maybe. Maybe. They're, they're going to be sneaking vegetables. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's some FDA <laughs> info. So the FDA requires that dark chocolate contain at least 35% cacao and less than 12% milk solids. After that, it's up to the manufacturer to label their chocolate as bittersweet or semi-sweet. Great. Typically, bittersweet has a higher percentage of cacao, of cocoa. Either cocoa. way than uh, semi-sweet and is less sweet of the two types. Hmm. Yeah, and that's another funny thing, right? Like, 
at what percent i've always said oh bittersweet is over 60 percent and then what guitar we got a semi-sweet they call it a semi-sweet 61 percent i'm like guys <laughs> i mean i i made this rule up so yeah. you can break it clearly but yeah. but I, you know it's 62 revise. 63 yeah i'm curious because again i think oh 59 percent that's semi-sweet 60 61 that's that's bittersweet yeah but yeah it is interesting and, and to your point about bean to bar bean to bar chocolate has just come so far in the last decade i mean i remember remember how far i know starbucks is has changed very much from the 80s but think of what coffee was like in the 80s like i grew up with do you want folgers or like which can of coffee from the grocery store would you like right you know mm-hmm. and now yeah. look at it it's just so incredible and i think chocolate i but i've also been saying the chocolate's on the cusp of that for a decade now and clearly it's it has not reached mass market yet but i think you know the amount of craft chocolate makers in the u.s well worldwide i'm sure has changed but in the u.s it's exploded in the last like there are like i don't know a thousand of them i was reading a really interesting article about how actually there's um this little center in utah where there's a lot of bean to bar chocolate makers because um in with you know a lot of of, a predominantly mormon area um you know you can't do coffee can't do alcohol Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. there's there's like a really cool that's their vice section of of chocolate makers how could they not do coffee but they could do dark chocolate like is it if is there going to be caffeine in both scenarios or so i i know the caffeine amount in chocolate has been compared to the same as a cup of decaf right so it's actually not very much caffeine in there um there is a chemical called theobromine yeah yeah i think i think chocolate's mormon approved yeah yeah but Coming I'm, from I'm someone fascinated. who's not Mormon. Yeah. yeah. Not, no Mormons in the room. Yeah. yeah. yeah this, is, <laughs> this is a very We'll fact check. Opinion. We'll yeah. fact check. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess before we get to the gratuity round, are there, you know, like what's next for Catherine Ann? Uh, you Personally know, or as a business? Yeah, all of it. <laughs> I guess question. it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. a lot of overlap. You're one and the same. Is, yeah, a lot is. of overlap. Um, every day, you know, my we we in my household we're talking about this as our marathon right now, right? So we have so we got this grant from the city of Chicago through the Chicago Recovery Fund, um, which has been awesome. Um, it was extremely helpful. Um, but we also burned through a lot of that money, right? So we started hiring our staff in, in April thinking, oh, we're going to be open by May. Oh, yeah. okay. The, you know, um, and so we ended up spending so much money on labor, burning through a lot of this grant. Um, and so that's, you know, my hours are quite a bit longer now than they were a month ago when we, we thought we were a little bit more in the clear. Um, so the store has taken a little bit longer to pick up than I anticipated. I should have anticipated this. Um, but I was definitely kind of counting on the fact that we had been around for so long. We were coming to a new neighborhood. There was so much hype. We'd been talking about it for so long to kind of, you know, immediately turn us into an overnight success. And of course that's not going to happen. That was, that was very unrealistic. Um, so right now it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit up in the air, right? We're yeah. definitely, I'm definitely trying to be flexible and kind of see where the chips, you know, see, see how everything falls, um, and see what kind of settles into place. So right now it's very encouraging to see, um, with back to school happening, more people are in the cafe, um, more people are coming in for coffee drinks, for chocolate drinks, um, you know, and what our goal is always to be there for the community, to be ready. I'm seeing folks reach out, you know, we had, um, a gal do like a birthing class reunion for new parents at our armature shop. And I was like, this is perfect. This is the sort of community building I want to see. So we're seeing the, we're seeing the revenue we want. We're seeing the community engagement that we want. Cause you know, that's another thing as I get older, I don't, 
you know, I started off at 22 just being like, I, I want to do this. I want to make truffles and I want to make money. And, and then, w- you know, once we started, I started making a salary, it was like, well, now what, you know? Yeah. And so now we're trying, we're much more community focused and, and seeing, well, we want to be great members of the community and we want to help everybody grow and we want to support everybody, um, you know, in the community as much as we can. Um, and so that's one thing that's, it's very inspiring to see that start to happen. Yeah. Um, and so we just want to make sure we're there for folks when they, when they need us, you know, so are our hours right? Are our offerings correct? You know, are we there for, for teachers before school? Um, cause we're right around the corner from a couple of schools, you know, speaking of offerings, were there any things that you ever tried to launch that you were like, this is going to kill, it's going to be such a great you know best-selling item and definitely definitely awakening oh my gosh oh my gosh you guys we um we launched a s'more kit probably i don't know six seven years ago and i was so excited about it it was a great price point it was a s'more kit for four it was like 19 dollars um we were making like rosemary shortbread and we had little toffee chocolate squares and then we had our homemade marshmallows and i had a tv actually a tv appearance about it and i was like oh my gosh i had them up on the website we had great photos we had them in the shop and i think i sold six of them i was like what happened (laughs) what happened just because like the hershey graham cracker scenario is just so ubiquitous i truly don't know but it's funny because i'm on a i've seen so many chocolate folk launch that I really respect launch s'mores kits, um, you know, higher end, lower end. Hmm. Um, it does seem like a slam dunk idea. It, I couldn't agree more. I'll tell you why it's not. Tell me. It's a nostalgia <laughs> thing. People yeah. want the, the s'mores they grew up with. That's that's what my suspicion now, was. I'm always looking to improve. But she the said s'more. there's there's high end ones like that. They she do sees exist now. out yeah. there. So I don't know if if I like maybe 19 wasn't the right price point, right? Because I've seen them at 40 dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, high end. Wow. Oh, like you. Wow. Like yeah. It was did I undershoot? Like under, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, that's another thing that's kind of changed dramatically as I think about it. Is I used to very much say, okay, well, this is what we're going to charge because we are making an acceptable amount of money in this, and we want to charge as low as we can right and so instead just you're thinking strategically about price well should it be 25 you know will people value it more than we're having the same debate now yeah uh, in scofflaw group just because we've always been so value driven yeah and i never really thought about how some people would think of us as not being of the highest quality because our price was under our competitors yeah yeah which is like so messed up but i guess yeah it's all perception of value I couldn't agree more. We so I did a truffle making class at uh, Koval last night, and one of the customers, you know, one of the the attendees of the class, we were just kind of hanging out talking about Koval and and their cocktails, and and she's like, yeah, this is one of the best priced cocktails in the city. And I was like, that's really interesting. I wonder why that is, mm-hmm. you know. And so started I I again just started thinking about well, I wonder if they're making enough money on their distillery, right? They're making enough money. Yeah. They've got all this space. It's They've true. got other revenue streams. Know. Maybe they don't have to. They're not paying five thousand dollars a month. Like I don't know what you guys pay yeah. in rent, but it, you know, it's rent is not cheap. You that's know, right. and insurance mm-hmm. and and labor, and, and they just they have all that overhead covered. Yeah. So. So you told us earlier that it was like ten to fifteen percent e-commerce. How yeah. does this? What's the spread between like retail and wholesale? Man, I should have looked my numbers up before. Um, <laughs> or, yeah, doesn't have to be exact. I mean, <laughs> right, just curious. Right. Like, is it like split? Um, wholesale's pretty good. I want to say wholesale is about a quarter, and so retail. And then retail makes up the rest. Well, retail's more than that, but we have our our revenue streams pretty broken down because we also have 
um, markets. So we do five or six farmers markets every week. And that's one thing that's also changed a lot. Like we used to just bring our chocolate. Then we created this ice drinking chocolate for the markets. Um, And now we bring lemonade that we make with like local fruits. So, you know, I think we have like a peach rosemary lemonade, you know, for with Seedley Farms peaches right now. Um, And the lemonade is our bestseller, right, Mm. in the summer. But then we're ready in the winter to to do our hot chocolate and to offer gifts. Yeah. Um, That hot chocolate is so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's so decadent. One of the best. Yeah, thank you. If not the best. Thank you. I'm going to get Tim those for... uh the holiday season well, or not outside of the holiday season you got to yeah. do the dehydrated marshmallows in there that would be fun that's a classic that would be fun <laughs> yeah. that's actually that's another thing right that we started to do last year we, we spent a lot of time on a, on a hot cocoa bomb because everybody was calling and asking right everybody's yeah. like you know we we started to keep a little tally of like how many calls have we gotten uh, asking for hot cocoa bombs um, and we did it and again we just we weren't making something we were really excited about you know where we would have both a, a great product and a great experience um, because our our focus is on the like decadent thick rich drinking chocolate and you just can't get a, a, a thick drinking chocolate with the experience of like everything melting and being like everything was like okay now we warm or do something you know we couldn't yeah. do, we couldn't do it but yeah we spent a lot of time trying to make an awesome hot cocoa bomb hmm. like a ganache based hot cocoa what's bomb. the ideal volume for a drinking chocolate um so our um seven ounce drinking chocolate has um three ounces of milk and then it has four ounces of ganache and the ganache is about half chocolate and half cream okay it's so, so good so i remember my friend got <laughs> me one. i think it was like so a decadent. gear deli or something like that and he's yeah. like he's like you're gonna love this and i'm like the first couple steps i'm like this is amazing and then by yeah. the end i'm like I can't finish this. Yes, thing. <laughs> yes, that's well, the Well, I think challenge. the seven ounces is a key. Like, if it were more yeah. than that, it's hard. And also, you this could was share definitely it. larger than seven ounces. I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah, I could not agree more. And and to your point, kind of about being value driven. You know, when we introduced, when we opened in 2012, we offered one size of drinking chocolate that was 13 ounces with two homemade marshmallows in there. Right. So it's like a it's almost a pound. Think of it that way. <laughs> yeah. Almost a pound of drinking chocolate. You know, when you put it that way, you're like, this is stupid. Um, but we were like, well. Well, it costs so much labor to make each one. Let's make it a value for our customers. No. Yeah, you know, yeah. people, that Less is not is the more. most. Exactly. You're exactly right. And so that's one thing we're really pushing in our, um, in both of our cafes. Like our small drink, our small lattes are eight ounces, which honestly is a pretty popular size. Yeah. Like and when I, when I go out, I don't want we don't offer a 20 ounce we don't offer a 24 yeah. ounce right okay. uh, when i get a blizzard i'm getting the baby size yeah. and i'm like who are these perverts getting the large blizzards at <laughs> I, Dairy as a, Queen? I as a kid used to get a that's disgusting <laughs> that's it's like a gallon bucket <laughs> that's also the only eating competition that i ever won was ice cream Oh. How many eating wow. competitions have you participated uh, three, in? Three, actually. Oh, wow. And the one that I won was, I mean, they weren't official. They were like amongst friends. Oh, yeah. We've discussed <laughs> yeah. this recently. Yeah. The other two, one was like McChickens or something. Oh, yeah. Like one was, yeah. One was soft tacos from Taco Bell. One was like the, <laughs> the bean and cheese burritos from Taco Bell. Taco Bell is two of the three. And then an ice cream was in college. And, uh, and my friend Amir challenged me and I was like, there's no chance. Because, you know, people think they love ice cream. You're like, all right, let's put it to let's the test. bring it on. Yeah. See how much you love ice so cream. So how much did you eat? Um, I ate one of those half-gal tubs and then was, like, ready to keep going. Like, no problem. And Amir, like, couldn't finish it. So. And you never got a brain freeze or anything? No, I think also there's probably, like, a lactose component where some yeah. people, like, have... I mean, we all probably have degrees of tolerance. And maybe I just, like don't have that, that yeah. trigger yeah you don't, don't have know. the cutoff thing 
I did a water drinking contest with uh, Dave Barron when I was in high school. Chef Dave Barron. Well, he was college student Dave Barron at the time. (laughs) Uh, But we were like, like, let's see who could drink a gallon of water faster. And he put it down in like 25 minutes. The goal was to be able to finish in an hour. And I finished like right at the hour mark and then puked water yeah. everywhere yeah. and now you hear about people dying from drinking yeah. too much water yeah, I'm like man you guys, you guys were lucky scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> scary. Yeah. your body was helping you out yeah. Yeah. it's like right. hey my body's like stop that's enough yeah all right well that's a great great time Perfect. to transition <laughs> into the uh into the gratuity round. i also think that i didn't actually answer those last questions which is hilarious we <laughs> got that. so sub- so should i should yeah, i do a quick them. like yeah, yeah. yeah so um so our other revenue streams so farmers markets um are, are pretty good i think that's probably about 10 percent um so obviously those are may through october um but then we also have you know art fairs and stuff like that so that all is lumped in there um then we also have have contracts um, and contracts are um, weddings, corporate gifts. So we do a lot of corporate gifts in December. Well, we will actually do drop shipping for the clients. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one thing that's that's actually been doing really well. And that's one thing we did a lot of over the pandemic is I would mm. teach virtual truffle making classes and then we'd make the kits and ship them out to all the attendees. So I got, you know, I would, you know, charge for instruction and then we'd also make money on the kit. So that was that was a fantastic time, um, that aspect of it at least. Um and then um, oh, the holiday season was the other. Oh, yeah. So that's one thing that's been very um, encouraging, too, about business now is, is starting to see folk, um, folks reach out saying, hey, I've got a tasting. You know, we're coming into um, a hotel in December and we want to do a wine and chocolate tasting for 150. Can you put a quote together for that? So that has been very yeah, encouraging. The last, yeah, I feel like the last week has been a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I would be remiss if I didn't ask an instructional question real quick. Let's do it. Um, so basically, if someone at home wants to experiment making a chocolate truffle, what do they what do they need to know? I mean, it sounds like a it's ganache a is the first step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question because I think truffles are extremely intimidating to a lot of folks. Um, we do sell truffle kits on our website, and truly it's about the instructions, which I can give you right now. Yeah. Um, so... I think one of the reasons they're so intimidating is because there's a, there's a lot of different ways to make ganache, and as long as you follow the instructions, you're going to be okay. If you use a double boiler, if you mix your cream into your chocolate or your chocolate into your cream, if you use a microwave, it's all going to be okay. Is it just two ingredients, chocolate and cream? you got to add salt. Okay. But outside of that, you that's the most simple ganache. You can absolutely make a great ganache, which is just chocolate, cream, and salt. And which do you advise adding to which? Doesn't matter. Okay. Truly, the number one thing. I mean, it does in the the micro sense. Yeah. But the number one thing that people need to do is to not burn their chocolate. Yeah. Because chocolate can burn as low as 120 degrees, which is just not oh, that really? hot. Yeah. yeah. So, so is it just like a constant whisking scenario? So either that or just like take it off the heat, oh, you know? Okay. So gotcha. if you're constantly whisking and, and your chocolate's still heating up, it's, it's you know, it's going to be a bit of a lost cause. So find a recipe from, from someone you trust. There's a million online. Um, another easy one is a pound of chocolate to eight ounces of cream. Pretty easy. Pinch of salt. Um, and then, yeah, for that quantity of chocolate, you'd want to heat in a microwave for about 55 seconds, right? Um, and if you stir, bring it out, stir it, let it sit for a couple of minutes, give it some time, um, we always say the minute you rush the chocolate is when you've, you've lost the battle because it is a battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, you know, and, and the other thing I tell people is to use, use your hands, you know, chocolate melts, starts to melt at 90 degrees. And if you feel any trace of warmth in the, the side of the bowl that you're making your ganache in, you know, it's still melting. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah. All right. That's great. Slow and steady. 
Love yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Gratuity round. Gratuity round. These are going to be hard-hitting questions. Hey, Danny. Yes, Tim? Question of the Bronca variety. Is that all right? It's totally cool with me. They are one of our sponsors after all. Terrific. Okay. The sponsor is Bronca International. That is the company. Yes. Fernet. So what's Fernet then? Fernet is the style of Amaro that they originated in 1845. Okay. So that style, Fernet, is basically a mentholated, punchier, so it's like higher proof and it's a mintier version of Amaro. Okay. I get that. It's a minty punch. Yep. And it has since spawned many imitators. Got it. And those also go by the name Fernet, but they're not Fernet. Bronca. Right. Bronca is the name of the distillery, Fratelli Bronca. So it's Fernet Bronca. I got it. That's all. Okay. Can we get back to the show now? Yes, sir. I'm ready. First. Do we hit uh, politics first? Or? <laughs> and religion, yeah. Yes, so both a, of them. They were public debate, right? That yeah. was What's last the night. What's the difference? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. What is your death row meal? Oh, I don't even know. Right now, I feel like it would be like like a burger and fries, like Edzo's or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? that's like a good one. Ooh, that is a awesome. good choice. No shake? Um, If I biked there, I would do the shake. Okay, yeah, so gotta earn the shake. Oreo shake. Yeah, is yeah. Just... So good. So good. So good. All right, what is your favorite hidden gem restaurant? Edzo's. <laughs> <laughs> is it even a hidden gem anymore, no, right? No, it's, it's so not. good though. Um well, so again, can I can I pull out business and children and like I read about amazing restaurants? Sure. Do I get or it could to be something do I get to go out up to in them? Wisconsin? No. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it right? could be back home. Yeah. Somewhere in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the restaurants that I really love, like it's, it's funny, my husband and I got to go on our first date night in a year, um, and we went out to giant and then we went out for a cocktail table, donkey and stick. And oh, I was like, nice. it's nice to be back in Logan. This yeah. is fun. Um, we actually brought up Scofla and then oh, we were nice. like, it's probably going to be very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Could be. Yeah. Could be. People like, but thank you for like thinking you of us. Do. Not slippery mm. slope busy. No. You gotta wait in line for... I, all I want to do is dance, and I have to wait two hours to get into Danny's bar. It's sickening. It's really rough to be as popular as Yeah, Danny no is, preferential you know? treatment. <laughs> I do remember back in the day, like, when Slope was new, I remember you sneaking me in the back one time. Yeah, don't tell don't, Thanks. Don't uh, tell that on the air. No, nah, it was longer than seven years ago. Session <laughs> limitations is up. <laughs> um, so I really love uh, the Warbler, too. Up in Lincoln. Again, it's not a hidden a hidden. Gem, yeah, I would like I, to go there. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Really enjoy the ambiance. They have so much greenery in there too. It definitely inspired me when I was getting ready to, to build out our shop. It's like I want greenery. I love the way this feels in here. Yeah. Yeah. We should go there, Tim. Let's do it. Yeah. Right now? Yeah. Let's, do let's it. finish let's the Gertrude around first. <laughs> There's another place too that I haven't been to. It's called I see and I'm gonna horribly mangle the pronunciation, but it's like pizza pan paya pe, or something to that it's like at Montrose and um, it's. I want to say it's like Argentinian. They hmm. deep dish pizza. Oh, like pizza the fuga- pan paya. Yeah. Is it? Wait. Did they do the fugazetta? Because that's like an Argentine pizza that I have not found in the United States. It looks absolutely amazing. This is um, cl- snug Colombian bakery serving sweet Columbian. and savory baked goods, arepas, and unique, unique deep, deep dish. dish. I think it pizzas. could be based on the fugazetta, which That'd is be like cool. a. It's yeah. It's basically like an Argentine deep dish. That is like cheese and onion and 
Really? And like ham, but yeah. That's how. I mean, that sounds great. Yeah. So that's the place we'll I want to go to. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's a good one. I also really want to go to um, smoke uh, smoke, smoke steak, steak yeah. and um, I'm going there Warlord. tonight. Are you really? I am with Ronnie. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> yeah. What time should we? And uh, what persona time non grata, Rob Lapata. <laughs> persona non grata, Rob Lapata. That's right. The boys are back in town. That's right. We're going. To, I think yeah, at seven. Oh, so nice we'll be there fun. at seven. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> an adjacent <laughs> table with yeah. an earshot. Yeah, totally. Just like not. Well, we're not, yeah, not we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get Barry on the podcast too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. We've talked about that yeah. for a long time. I was actually doing accounting the other day, and I was running credit cards, and I was like, Barry, Barry, he just ordered truffles from us, and I, <laughs> I went into the, and I was like, and I emailed him back. I was like, Hey, I'm sorry for not noticing this. Thank you so much. And he, he emailed back. And he was like, You're welcome. You guys are awesome. He was yeah, so nice. He's really nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's your favorite fast food? Um. I really love In-N-Out burgers. I do not mm. like their fries. Yes. Okay. Oh, I agree this with is, you. In I that. love this so far because well, she Tim was hoping. Well, hold on. Hold on. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't say her favorite. What's your? She said she really likes In-N-Out. I really like that. What's your favorite fast food? That's the question. Because hmm, I don't think I can quite do Culver's. Again, the fries just kill me. Really? You don't like the Culver's fries? I don't. I can't do it. Not compared to, Mc, you know, McDonald's does yeah, such a good job. That's the gold standard. Well, you know, they have cheese curds and onion rings. Tim, hey, stop trying to oversell her. <laughs> I had Culver's yesterday for lunch. So no, no. And, and honestly, Culver's, so here's the thing. Culver's is literally where we go. Like when we go to fast food, it is Culver's. So it's taken for granted, you're saying. It, it, I think it is. It is. You know? Cause but the, the cool thing Because the chicken, like the <laughs> kids get so spoiled too. They're, they Like they try chicken nuggets from McDonald's. And they're like, these are not Culver's. Yeah. Oh. The kids um, know. Yeah, no, it's like real chicken. You can yeah. tell it's like not. Tim's going to substitute one of your kids on to answer this question. <laughs> and then... Children don't that would lie, be so Danny. great. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. My son will come up. How old are you? You look like you're 60. I'm like, hey, bud, so let's talk a little bit. <laughs> kids have no relationship with numbers. Uh, no, they that's and, and age. Like, yeah. I, I always ask kids how old they think I am, and it's always very funny. It is. It and is. It's never hilarious. right. Because it could be 30, and it could, it could be, be 80, like 80, and they just yeah. don't even know. Right. Yeah. yeah, or it could yeah. be like, you're really old. You're, you're like 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> like almost. <laughs> I hope to reach that someday. <laughs> All right. So in and out. That's it. That's there. That's what you're gonna go. I with. think. I think I should do in and out. Okay. Yeah. Because the burgers are just oh, so. What's the order? Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. In and out column gets a tally mark. A tally mark. That's good. Yeah. It's good. Culver's 500. In-N-Out and because I have also done the fries on the In-N-Out burger, and that I enjoy. okay. So oh, that's wow. are you going animal style with fries? I didn't. I don't do animal style. I do grilled and raw onions. That's okay. a, yes. That's exactly what I do. Oh do I see. Well, there's like the, the combination of the sweetness no. and the bite. Mm, yeah. Amazing. You need, and then the extra yeah. saltiness from the fries in there. Yeah. So good. The pro tip is what what I used to do is I do one that was with grilled onions, and one with easy raw onions, and then I realized I could do both. And then, just like you were saying, it's yeah. just so good. Well, I think we've already established, too, that you might have a, a capacity for eating that's greater than mine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> eating, you know, the, I'm not I'm not about to, to att- challenge you to an eating contest, is what I'm <laughs> no, saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've lost two of sure. three. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's true. I've actually <laughs> lost zero yeah, because I've participated in zero. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is the most difficult confection to execute? Well, we could say diff- most difficult confection that, that we make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, we, maybe both. Right. Yeah. No. First, what it, uh, that, that you make from yeah. your, your library. 
So we've made some pretty cool layered confections for holidays. That's when we get to really have some fun. So like, you know, Mother's Day, Easter, and Christmas, we made some really fun stuff. You guys, last year we made this really awesome, it's a little ornament mold, and we piped in a creme de menthe ganache, and then we did a layer of crispy quinoa dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. And it was so good. Piped in the mold. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Because you get all the textures, right? You get the crispy. You get the soft and the gooey. Um, and then the hard chocolate on the outside. And then, and we did this, and my, I'd never made one. And then my, um, and then we made a special one for a client where we, we did, we spread it out. Spread out the layer of crispy quinoa and then the ganache on top. And then we cut them and we, and we dipped them by hand. Mm. Super good. I'd never made one. And then my production manager was out with COVID and we had orders for these. And I was like, okay, talk me through this. <laughs> How, what am I doing? Do you mind um, if we FaceTime? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, that was really hard. So I think it's tough when you're dealing with like different, different layers of things mm-hmm. um, just to get the, the, the exact dimensions correct but yeah, also a lot the consistency you're exactly right it's so like so caramel precise, for instance yeah. yeah caramel is so precise so if you're off by two degrees four degrees you're it's going to be too hard or too soft and then you have to melt it down again and, and heaven forbid you've already poured it you know a ganache is poured on top by the time you realize this because then then it's just in the compost so i think those layered confections are tough those kind of candy bar like things where you have like a layer of caramel a layer of ganache just to get the consistency perfect. And then when you're cutting them, you have to enrobe them quickly enough that nothing nothing spreads. Yeah. You um, know? Man. So it's a, it's it's like a, a little bit. It's a race against the clock. It is a race <laughs> against the clock. Absolutely. Mm. So I think those are the toughest. What is your best-selling product? Best-selling product is a tough one. Um, I know our best-selling marshmallow is the salted caramel marshmallow by such a long range. It's not even a thing yeah. it's funny because that one too is a it's a little bit messy because the caramel again it just will start to ooze just a little bit um because there's there's sometimes some big chunks of caramel in the marshmallow but i think people love that kind of unctuousness of yeah you know pulling them apart mm-hmm. um and then our best-selling caramel is the rosemary sea salt and then the best-selling truffles are it's it's funny because it's a very traditional one and a little more adventurous one the salted caramel truffle have you noticed the caramel and salt theme here <laughs> yeah, people and love rosemary we've said a handful of yeah times. yeah rosemary's good um, and then the goat cheese walnut truffles are, hmm. is our next bestseller. Oh, yeah. not surprised. Uh, all right. What is your favorite cocktail? Favorite cocktail. I had a, the cranberry gin spritz at Caval last night, which was pretty tasty. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite cocktail right now. I think, you know, I've been really going for, um, for kind of the classics recently, you know, yeah. like a Negroni, a dark and stormy, that sort of thing. If you were to like walk into a random bar and they had no menu and you had to express to a bartender what kind of cocktail you would enjoy, what would you say? Hmm. What were the, what are the dealer's choice scenario? Yeah, dealer's choice, yeah. dealer's choice. I would probably ask Base for something spirit, bubbly. Profile. Yeah, I would probably ask for something bubbly, um, you know, maybe gin based, not too sweet. Okay, bubbly, yeah. gin-based, not too sweet. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I got Sounds it. Good. What would you make me? I'm going to... You will find out. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a part of the... <laughs> the <place>. hard way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we go. That's right. Um, okay, what unexpected trivia category would you dominate? Oh, animal science, easily. Yeah? Yeah. Animal science? Farm, farm upbringing, right? Yeah, okay. Oh. And that was, was my, my only... Yeah, 4-H, right? So I yeah. actually... Um, so A, that was my only college class I ever took was animal science back when I was like 15 or 16. I'm sorry, what does college. 4-H stand for? Oh, it's it's a farm thing. Um, Christiana you, kept mentioning Do you know it. what FFA oh, really? is? Uh, 
Future no. Farmers future of farmers America. Of America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Napoleon Dynamite was an FFA member. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Does he, he go to the meeting? He's like, he's like that cow has an extra udder or something. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so yeah, if you have ever have you ever been to a state fair? Let's start with that. Yes. Okay. So so the people that are exhibiting at the state fair, those kids have all exhibited at their local county fairs because each county has a fair. Does Cook County have a fair? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Right. Or what does that look like? Yeah. Probably not a lot of animals there. <laughs> it's um, rats. Yeah. Squirrel. Biggest <laughs> biggest city rat found in the yeah, sewer. Yeah. Feral coyote. <laughs> yes. Um, and so all of those, all of those kids in the county fairs, like they compete to go to the state fairs and stuff. So, but it's obviously, it's a, it's a huge, um, organization, um, which is, yeah, it's just, it's really all encompassing as far as like, you know, kids do projects and there are meetings and it's, it's really good to learn about things like parliamentary procedure and, you know, each county has its own 4-H clubs. Do we know what 4-H stands for? Head, heart, hands and health. Oh. I, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> it's a four-leaf clover is like the... Yeah, we got a great logo. Yeah, it's All right, good. sweet. Now I know. But then they have like conferences. Like, you you know, I got to go to D.C. through 4-H and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, it was fun. But what was the question? Where yeah, no, we? what is it? Yeah, I had no idea. Oh, oh was no, it was uh, what trivia category? Oh, animal yeah, science. animal science. So that's the other thing I was going to say is I actually won champion in the animal science um, one year because I made a board, a trivia board game. Oh. This is I was a really cool kid, you guys. <laughs> so I made a This trivia, does sound cool. I made I'd a trivia this. board game with like you could answer like a level one question to go the long way or you'd answer a level two or if you answer the level three question, you got to like shortcut past other mm. questions. And the level, that's and unique. then I would just read i you know used obviously a lot of my knowledge and then i reach out to other people i was like you have rabbits give me some rabbit trivia mm, questions it was you collaborative know? Yeah, yeah very collaborative that's yeah. cool well, shoots and ladders of sorts oh it felt yeah i yeah. i think that's actually very apt yeah. Yeah. yeah okay um to what do you attribute your success hmm. my so i i i've said for a long time that i think that any business owner has to have a lot of tenacity um, and I do think that it's just that I'm, I'm just incapable of truly giving up. Like, don't get me wrong. Like defeats will crush me and I'll cry on the floor and then I'll get up and be like, all right, what's next? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a huge thing is just not giving up and, and honestly, curiosity, right? Willingness to learn. Um, you know, I think you can, you see the difference in people who are looking to grow and evolve and say, yeah, maybe that opinion that I had wasn't correct. Um, and, and those that are not. Here's a question, an audible. It was not on my list, but I'm curious. How, how do you find inspiration for new products? Do you taste something like, ooh, that's an interesting combination? Yeah. And cocktails that... are actually a great place for really? this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we have a whole cocktail month at the shop. So we, you know, we'll do margarita, banana daiquiri, things like that. It's delicious. That's and, cool. Yeah, so much fun. Which month is that? I'm, I was actually just trying to remember if it was June or July. I just missed it. Yeah. So it's sad. definitely not dry January, I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. No, it's not in January. <laughs> <laughs> January's like, how do we get through this? Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, obviously other desserts, absolutely other chocolate makers. Yeah. You know, I love, um, you know, of course, following people on Instagram. I still subscribe to newsletters, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, lots of other food, other drink, other interesting things. And do employees come to you like, hey, I've got it. This yeah. is the next well, big we, thing. And we have... Um, 
it's funny that you say this is the next big thing because I don't know if we've ever thought that as much as like, oh, we have to get on this trend mm. as much as like, oh, I think I'm really going to like this. And whether that's a business failing or, or not, I can't tell you. <laughs> but, um, but you know, we usually do things that we're, we're, we're excited about personally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, each employee gets to design um, when they've been with us a year, they get to design a product. Oh, cool. Um, so then they could either go into a rotation or just be a special. Like we had a trail mix truffle that one of our team designed with milk and semi-sweet chocolate and um peanuts and raisins and sunflower seeds and cranberries hmm. it's delicious and yeah. it's, it's sim- it's simple almost but yeah. also just really delicious and you just don't see that everywhere yeah dan if you were there for a year do you have an idea put you uh, on the spot yeah well we no, we talked a long time ago about doing some kind of like caramel that finished bitter like some kind of mix between like a caramel and an amaro you designed one of our truffles oh yeah yeah and oh, I also, yeah 20th century in, truffle yeah Back yep. in 2012, we did yeah. a chef truffle program. Yeah, that was So you cool. spent the full so year there, and then <laughs> yeah. finally I got to shortcut it. I answered a, a hard trivia question and got to yeah, submit. Yeah, exactly. I skipped the year. How many udders does a cow have? He got it right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man, okay. So back on track. What is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you? Um... Well, man, low-hanging fruit is just the service charges, but I don't think that doesn't particularly annoy me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's uh, a good question. I just I think like anybody else, I want I want I, w- I enjoy good service. Like I really enjoy. Um, I you know if it's been thirty minutes since I've seen somebody, right? I don't love that. Um, mm-hmm. I love real menus. Yeah, I don't love the phone menus. Yeah, um, and I don't know if that's just a. You know, when I pick up my phone, it's definitely difficult for me to put it down. You know, then I'm like, ooh, right. somebody texted me or, oh, I should really just double check email. Yeah, it's hard to be present once you break that. Yeah, that's break the, the seal. Realm. You're yeah. exactly right. So yeah. I, I struggle with that Same. personally. Um, I just, I want my phone to be away so that I can, yeah. I can be then there. Then you're doing Wordle when the waiter comes up. <laughs> just one second. I got three greens. <laughs> you have any ideas? Like, help yeah. me out here. Yeah. yeah. I, think the, I think the digital menu is going to be the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then our last question. What is the best thing about Chicago's dining scene? I don't, I truly can't narrow it down to one because we have, we're just so lucky y'all. And you don't, I don't realize until I go somewhere else and I'm like, Oh, I don't have this here. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I think it's fantastic. You know, we just have such a broad variety of, of food, of drink, um, of service of, of types, right? We could have, you know, your little 10 seat restaurants. We have big restaurants. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's amazing. Um, I mean, obviously like we do a really good job of kind of American food, what I think of as American food anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, lots of, lots of good Midwestern staples, you know, lots of, uh, casseroles, deep dish pizzas, if you will. Yeah. Um, Comfort we do, food. We do our hot dogs, our Italian land. beefs, and our mm-hmm. our burgers and fries. Yeah, we just kill it. Sad to see Owen and Engine gone. Yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah, sad. yeah. It's yeah. A bummer. That is a bummer. We lost a great burger there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I don't know if you all read up. It was cool. It was cool to read and to see a chef being like, "Listen, like I need to put health and yeah. family, mm-hmm. and you know, all of this needs to come, needs to yeah, come first. Yeah, that's most important. Yeah, and they're and focusing on Bishi. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that has been. Is a that really... how it's pronounced? Yeah, Bishi. Yeah, Bishi. I wasn't B-I-X-I. about to say because I didn't know. B i x i. Yeah, yeah. 
not not Bixie. Yeah, not Bixie, not Wilson okay. Bixie. <laughs> yeah. I think that um, the focus on on staff has has been transformative the past decade, especially. Like I remember when I was first starting and hearing about people working shift pay at at really renowned restaurants, right? And yeah. Just, just really being surprised by that. Like we've, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm a rule follower, so like that's not something that we've run into, but but. You know, just the fact that, that it was still happening and so prevalent. And, and even now, you know, some of my team have come to me asking about sick pay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it became law back in, what, 2018 or whatever, whatever. And they're like, well, I worked for this place and they didn't, you know, I didn't get any, you know. Yeah, and so yeah, that wasn't right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has been transformative. And, and so I, I couldn't say if that's happening everywhere. But I think that in Chicago, we're, we've really come a long way to treating people um, fairly and with respect and and honestly you know our prices are going to reflect that and i think that yeah, that's okay. i think that that's okay yeah. you know i think if we pay a little bit more to go out to eat that's yeah. that's okay you know mm-hmm. it's a it's a privilege and a luxury agreed yeah well, that was our final question cool Catherine, thanks so much for joining us today this was a lot of fun this yeah, was thanks amazing for thanks here. for inviting me And that concludes our conversation with Catherine Ann. Thanks for tuning in this week. And remember, if you're so inclined to rate and review the pod on wherever you enjoy podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, some other boutique format that I don't <laughs> even know new, about. You can also check us out on Instagram at Joiners Pod for exclusive additional content each week. This episode is produced by Matt Haddock, music by Captain Cuts, and video work by the one and only Joe Guzzo III. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.